Uh, welcome to Cinebabble episode 10. That's right, official episode 10. That's like a Roman numeral X. Yep. Right there in the title, bam. We made Cinebabble. it to 10. <laughs> yeah, and if you count the, the Watchmen episodes, and the, yeah. the early or experiment the early, episodes, yeah. we're, we're like 25. We're old yeah. hats at this now. Pros. Oh, pros. Feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, make make somebody you know listen to this thing too. And uh, let's let's build a small Clockwork empire. Clockwork Orange style. Just <laughs> without, just their ears wide open. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but, you know, just jab it a couple of times with a screwdriver till it bleeds. That's how you know someone's listening. When you ears bleed. their ears. Yes. <laughs> like, well. You know, widening that hole. Yep. That's how ears work. <laughs> Oh, Clint and I showing why we did not go into the medical profession. <laughs> so, uh, how was how was your post Christmas, Clint? Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, I had a nice long break off work, two weeks, and it's going to show in my what you watching that I have no life outside. <laughs> when my life yeah, is my working. my what you watching is pretty lengthy too. Yeah, you want to dive right into that? Yeah. Well, how was your All right. break? My break? Yeah. My break was a lot of watch you watching. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, Christmas gets really busy for me. So yeah. I'm always bouncing here, there, and everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. So my actual Christmas break is usually right now. Uh, the first two <laughs> weeks in January is when I actually take time off work and, and kind of step away a little bit here yeah. and there. So I still get pulled in, but eh, whatever. Right. I find time. That's good. But yeah, it was pretty good. I was surprised. Christmas is usually pretty stressful for me, but it just, this year went really well. Yeah. I think because I didn't care. <laughs> that was a big part of my Christmas cheer this year was just yeah, apathy. Just, just let go. It never occurred to me to mix some of that into the yeah. into the cookie mix. And Welcome to my world. That was great. <laughs> so Clint, uh, what, what you watching about? Or what did you watch about? Or what? What has been watched we, about? <laughs> What has been watched about Clint? Uh, well, I have, yeah, like I said, I did watch a lot. I'm not going to talk about everything I watched. Well, you can I just, just mention some Yeah, things. I picked out a couple. You made fun of me for watching The Muppets Christmas Carol as many times as I have. So you can't sit here and say that you're not going to sound pathetic because you don't want people to know how much you watched. Yeah, but it wasn't one thing 11 times. And to... Um, 11 is much higher now, by the way. <laughs> I, I figured that was low <laughs> when I said it. But uh, to kind of um, apologize, I did revisit that. And oh, yeah? I showed it to Jenny. She had never seen it. Really? And I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And it's still amazing. It's such a great yeah. movie. It's still uh, And so it works good. on every level. It's a really good comedy. It's a really yeah. good drama. It's a really good musical. It's just, ah. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful movie. All the Muppets songs movie. were like stuck in my head for days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Gonna... I'm, I'm glad you felt that appreciation. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it as a kid, but it's just been a while since I'd seen it. It holds up. Yes. It does. All right. Even eleven so, times. So uh, uh, you wanna you wanna do your whole list and then my whole list. Or you wanna kind of trade back and forth or? Um, you wanna do a trade? Little, yeah. Yeah. Let's in do a new trade. year, we'll just yeah, mix it we'll up just, a little bit. We'll share. We'll be <laughs> yeah. good kids. All right. Go ahead. What's what's first thing that you uh, watched about? Watch, uh, the, watched about. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that I watched was the last black man in San Francisco. Now you told me about that. Yeah. Uh, I did not get around to watching it. Yeah. Um, fantastic. It was really good. Um, it's by Joe Talbot. It was his first feature film. I don't know if he'd done like any shorts or anything before that, but this was his hmm. first thing. And, uh, I think, uh, Brad Pitt's company plan B, like mm-hmm. they produced it for him. And like, so that was just like mind blowing for them that they got 
that with their first feature. Um, stars, like it has like the main person you would like recognize is Danny Glover's in it. And he's just, he plays um, one of the guy's grandfathers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other main character is played by Jimmy Fails. And he is the best friend of the director. And the story is based on a real event in his life. Hmm. And so they were, they've been friends forever. Okay. And they, the story is based on um, a story from his life. And another guy named Jonathan Majors. And is like, I had never seen him in anything. He hmm. probably has been. I just did, uh, haven't seen him before now is this hitting the award circuit at all has it gotten any it's, nominations and recognition i don't it, know i think maybe some I've like seen smaller of best of lists right and i think it may be some smaller awards kind okay. of things maybe like sundance and mm-hmm. all that um I, I think it should be um and the main story of it it's about jimmy is they live in san francisco and he's best friends with um character that Jonathan plays and his name is Mont and they're best friends and they're um and Jimmy's living with Mont mm-hmm. and Jimmy's main goal is his family had this family home like this beautiful t- uh, home that was downtown and through like gentrification and just the changing city like they lost the home and so his okay. whole goal throughout the movie is he wants to get this home back oh, and okay. so it's him like there's a great scene where there's this family living in the home this like couple and he goes there like once a week and he just like he sees a family that this couple is not keeping up with the house. So he'll go and like paint the windowsills and just do little <laughs> things like he's like talking about how we got to go back and we got to tend to the garden like next week when it has all these plants. Does the couple know he's doing yeah. this? Yeah. And it's hilarious because they'll like he's painting the windowsill and they come home and they're like, we told you you shouldn't like to go away. Like they're, like they're nice about it. We're like, we don't want you here doing this. This is our house. Why are you here? <laughs> and he's just like, I'm just let me finish this and I'll be on my way. Okay. <laughs> and so okay. it's it's got this real, um, it's really funny. It's really sweet. And whims- it has this whimsical aspect to really? it that I was not ex- expecting. It, it kind of reminded me of the tone of... Um, do you remember that Beast of the Southern Wild that mm-hmm. came out? It reminds I me of that. that movie. Me too. Okay. And uh, it reminds me of that. It has that kind of like there's almost a surrealist thing to it, but it's also very like almost documentarian. Hmm. And uh, the score is really beautiful. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. I was uh, blown where, away by where it. Where can I find it? It's is on it Amazon. Amazon? Yeah. I okay. mean, you, and it's up on Amazon. Like you don't have to pay for it. Oh, like Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's like okay. I think one of their films they took under their All wing. Right. I have to check. Um, oh, like one of their original. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they or releasing. they. Yeah, right. Yeah, it always cracks me up when Netflix has like original series know, that's based slap. on this, or they, you know, somebody. Yeah, they already put on, it together and they just purchased it. Yeah, they slap it on everything. I get that's their logo, but. Yeah, but when they say it's original, I don't know. Yeah, it always feels to me like when HBO says original series, it's because they've developed right. it in house. They went and got the talent. They put the project together. They didn't just kind of scoop it up and distribute it. Right. Something that was on television that not everyone saw and then they yeah. slapped their name yeah. on it. and Mildly disingenuous. Yeah. All right. I'll have to check that out. I, I was really like it's really well acted and goes in interesting places and deals with a lot of different topics. And okay. um, it's really funny. It's surprisingly funny and sweet. Okay. Um, so yeah, what what was something that you watched? I watched uh, I Am Mother on Netflix. Oh, Have you seen this? I've heard of it. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. It was not, uh, you know, by the end it's not mind-blowing, but um, they use practical robotics for oh. the robot character. It's it's a Wait, man in a this. suit. 
I have uh, seen this. And I was just, I was, I was taken by that the whole time. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it made it feel so much more grounded right. than, than if it were a, um, a CG creation. Yeah. And it, it had some really good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. The young actresses in it are really, really good. Uh, and the writing was, was fairly in point. It reminded me a lot, uh, just kind of in some weird ways of, uh, Ex Machina. Me too. Yeah. Um, it got, got a little big for its britches at the end. Mm. It tried to do a little too much, but at the same time, I kind of like the darkness of, of what it tries to do. Yeah. And it's, it's not exactly unpredictable, um, but it, it has some nice surprises in yeah. there. And so I just, I, I found myself enjoying it. It's basically about, uh, some sort of future dystopia where humanity has been, for the most part, wiped out. And there's this facility, uh, where these embryos are, are kind of accelerated, uh, to growth. Yeah. And then, uh, this young girl is raised by this robot, uh, that just declares itself her mother. And well, uh, it's made for that purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's just about, uh, this robot raising this little girl in isolation. And over the course of the movie, it's, it's finding out why and what happened and what's the purpose of this and why would there be this kind of facility? And I actually thought it did a a pretty good job of, of wrapping all of that together. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one where instead of it getting this hugely complex solution to all of this, it was very simple. Um, and I just, I I found myself enjoying it way more than I thought. I, I don't know. It's one of those movies uh, that, you know, I'm watching for free on Netflix. If I had sat down in the theater, I, w- I wish there was yeah. a way for me to figure out, would my brain still have felt the same way had I plunked down 12 bucks? I feel and, like we talked about this before. Yeah, we have. Yeah. But it's just, it's that same yeah. kind of, you know, what's what's the value of a film? And mm-hmm. I've tried to stop thinking about that because I just, I enjoyed it for what it was. And and I guess there's, there's kind of a relief to just being able to watch something essentially for free or what your brain conceives of mm-hmm. as free. You already have it. Yeah. And it's been in my queue for a while and I just finally got around to it. It was a sleepy, you know, December 27th or something. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I watched it when it came out and I I just had totally forgot about it until you said the practical effects yeah. and it, they get a lot of mileage out of that. They like really it, it gives so much more like of a bigger quality to yeah. the film. Like if it was just this pretty poorly done CGI, yeah. especially on that that level like that um yeah. budget. And it it doesn't there's a a shot or two where you can, you know, if you're looking for it, you can see uh, how they had to design it just to make sure it fit a human in there. But it doesn't look, it doesn't look like a suit. It it looks, it, it comes across as a, a viable robot. Yeah. Uh, it has just enough inhuman qualities to it um, that it, it sells that illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, I was really taken with the, the facial design, the yeah. two little lit up dots mm-hmm. that would make semi-expressions yeah. with an almost mouth and and things like that uh it gave it just a, a touch of humanity but at the same time always at a distance yeah i watched um adam savage from um, mythbusters mm-hmm. he he's really in, like um now does a lot of like youtube videos where he goes into the design of things and how mm-hmm. to build things and he went and visited weta and okay. um they went through the that suit and showed him how he made it that was weta yeah oh that tracks so much more now yeah i I did not even realize that Mm -hmm. was weta yeah it was like a real small team like one guy basically took charge of it and just went through and like how they designed it and why they chose to do certain things because of the restraint of having a a person inside and how like the guy who made it like was part of 
the team or like was the main head, I guess, of making it. He was the guy in the suit. And oh, okay. so he could kind of build it around himself hmm. and uh, just how he learned the, the kind of motions of what the robot could do and That's what couldn't awesome. do. And, and uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I just saw a little, it was on YouTube. It was just kind of a shot by shot comparison of what was CG, what wasn't CG and how little of it was CG. Right, yeah. It was just kind of a three minute thing. Yeah. But, uh, that's what finally, the minute I found out it was practical, that's when it bumped up and I was like, oh, I got to watch this. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was good. It yeah, was definitely worth it watching. Yeah. Uh, it was not like, you know, in the tall grass and all of that. Right. <laughs> it was it was at a higher level than yeah. all of that. I thought it was a higher caliber. So. For sure. All right. Something else you I think? watched um, this film from 1991 called, and it just came out, Criterion just put it out. Um, it's called Until the End of the World. Okay. And this came out in the 90s, and it's by Wim Wenders, um, mm-hmm. who I had brought up before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done Paris, Texas, and Wings of Desire, and American Friend, um, a bunch of films. But And are... I, I hadn't seen Paris, Texas. I've since seen Paris, Texas. Yeah. Uh, I totally get what you were talking about. It's beautiful, yeah, isn't it? It really is. It's just um, the landscapes of that film. Yep. So I'm glad I'm bringing it up now that you've seen that, because mm-hmm. I think you should watch this, because... Okay. If I hadn't seen his other films, I that would be a weird jumping in point. But just knowing his style and how he frames things and how he what he gets out of actors, like it mm-hmm. made me really appreciate this film. But yeah, it came out in '91, um, and he released it as he or he was made to release it as um, this cut that was I don't know maybe like a normal length film, maybe a two hour film. But his director's cut was just a little under five hours. So wow. this film, what I watched was five hours, the Criterion version. Wow. And it's pretty amazing. It's um, It has William Hurt, who plays Sam. Um, this actor, I, I think she might be French. She's the main actress. Um, Solvig de Martin. Yeah, don't try. Yeah, who <laughs> plays Claire. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my best French accent. That's all right. You. you know, you hail from... France. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and Sam Neill is in it. Okay. And um, Max von Sydow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the ba- basic story is, um, just to sum it up, uh, Claire, who's played by the French actress, mm-hmm. I believe she's French. She's, it's the first half of the film is basically a road story. And it's her, she's um, in a relationship with Sam Neill's character, it's not going well and she's kind of like i think he had cheated on her and she's kind of just at a loss for what to do and so she's going to move out she's been just out partying for months like in just sleeping around and she's kind of just not knowing what to do with herself and she in her travels she's runs into this um character um william hurst character sam Mm -hmm. and he is on this mission with this it's part road movie and it's part sci-fi dystopian future kind of thing. Okay. And Sam is using this camera that his father has developed that takes pictures that blind people can see. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's going around to everyone like that or relatives of his and friends of his um, mother and his mother's blind. So he's using this camera and just traveling around and he's kind of on the run from mm-hmm. this company that um, he stole the camera from. 
but it was his father's design. So the, but the company wants it back. And so he's on the run and he, and she gets tangled up with him. So it's about their journey together. And it's like filmed over like four or five different continents. It's just like this Hmm. massive, like undertaking. It was, and it was like a real small, pretty small movie. It was kind of like an indie film of the time. I think he made it for like $20 million, but it's just like really expansive. And, um, and so it's really the five hours sounds daunting, but the first, at least on the criterion, the discs, it's broken into two parts. So the first two hours is basically. So you can the, essentially watch it almost like two films. Kind of. You, I, I mean, I felt like it worked like that for me where I watched the first half and it's kind of like the road movie part of it. And then the second part is kind of um, the part with the camera and him with his father and they're trying to get his mother to see and and it's just like this other like kind of hunkers down in australia now did you have that on disc or did you do the criterion streaming for that well i bought the disc and then i saw it popped up on criterion of course yeah (laughs) but that's okay i really enjoyed it and i've been trying to collect all his films because i really enjoy what he does yeah that's one i've got to subscribe to i i just have been putting it off how much is it a month ten dollars that's not bad yeah And I always find like really yeah. great stuff that becomes my new favorite thing. Well, and my biggest hang up with Criterion has always been when one of their releases come out, it's usually 30, 40 bucks. Right. And yeah. so it's 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 a little off putting yeah. um, to the wallet. But you know the quality's there and they're very I don't know if you've ever read about Criterion at all. They're a very small studio. Yeah. It's it's kind of a just a, a small house of people that that work really passionately on uh, restoring some of these things and trying to, to give exposure to some of these films. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, it's it's not like they're just overcharging for the name. No, um, right, right. They, and they put they so really much put work into, into the, the packaging oh, yeah. and they and the get special features. They get and, interesting and artists that. to do all the artwork. Yeah. And yeah, I, I never feel like I'm getting ripped off when I yeah. buy but I just kind of have to pick wisely. Yeah. So the Criterion exactly. Channel is kind of a nice way to like mm-hmm. find new things. And now, does the Criterion Channel have all of their documentary pieces or their special yeah. feature kind of stuff too? Yeah, they do. Oh, For the awesome. most part, they do. That's nice. Yeah, and they have other th- – like they just did this um, – past couple of weeks they're doing this um sci-fi of the 70s so mm-hmm. they have all these classic sci-fi oh, movies like clockwork fun. orange and mad max and yeah. so they pick out these kind of like little collections to do cool. once a month okay. um but yeah i i thought it was great the five hours it's if you break it into two parts felt really manageable mm-hmm. and i just really enjoyed the whole thing it was um if if i had Tried to watch it all at once, it might have been too much, especially because the first half is so kinetic. Uh, hit the mic. Kinetic. Well, yeah. And it's just all over the place, all over the yeah. world. And the second half really hunkers down, but it's still interesting. Cool. And the things they're trying to deal with, it's like the whole thing is about um, images and how images are can be um, this beautiful thing that's um, enhances your life or kind of destroys your life. And it, it really hammers at home cool. towards the end the end and uh it's really interesting I all think. right I'll check that one out yeah. too <laughs> yeah and he uh a little side note on it he he had in production he wanted he just wanted like all his favorite artists like musicians to do the music for it so he had like written 18 musicians um like big musicians from the time like the soundtrack has like u2 and the talking mm-hmm. heads and um Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and all these big artists like Elvis Costello, 
And he just wrote him like thinking he might get a couple and like all of them wrote back. So like there's just <laughs> yeah. all this like music from the 90s, but like it's all personalized to the film and it's got a right. very interesting feel to it. Right. Yeah. Well, I also watched a very serious, very highly regarded <laughs> Criterion film. Uh, it's on Netflix called Underground Six. Yeah. And it's directed by Michael Bay and it stars Ryan oh, Reynolds yeah. and it is not Criterion <laughs> at all. And it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, really? It really is. I almost what you it. felt about Hobbs and Shaw, I felt about this movie. It was like they put Hobbs and Shaw, uh, <laughs> John Wick, and a solid helping of meth and, and crack <laughs> into a blender and just hit Cineblend. That's actually... That's taken. Is it? it? Oh, okay, I was saying, now that I said that out loud, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that is something. <laughs> that probably is yeah. something. But man, it was, it was a mess. Yeah. It was one of the most poorly edited, choppy action movies I've ever seen. It actually had some... Uh, I, I kind of appreciated that they committed to the let's show what happens when a body goes through a car accident. But then they went way too far. Oh, really? To where it got very cartoony and every car that wrecks <laughs> in this movie splits into like 80 pieces with people flying out of it. Yeah. And, um, there's – watch it. It's, I was I'm not saying don't watch it. Yeah. Because it's a train wreck yeah. and just gawk at it as it wrecks. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of a mess. I would have loved it when I was 10. I would yeah. just been like this is the – you know, this is – true movie making mm -hmm. but um man this thing it's it's almost like somebody it's it's almost like michael bay died okay uh-huh and he was cremated yes and Shut somebody up. took his urn <laughs> and snorted his ashes <laughs> and in their delirium went and made uh -huh. this movie um it's it's more michael bay than anything i've ever seen that's michael bay and it, I... wow I think he's slowly been burning off parts of his body to probably just snort himself. Maybe <laughs> that's. I'm telling you, he this thing, this thing is wackadoo. Getting high it's, on his own supply. It's, it's a little, it's a little out there. Yeah. Um, I saw that like the clip, but it pops up on Netflix for it, and I was like, this "There's, is wild. there's fun in it. At yeah. no point was I bored. At no point was I, you know, feeling like uh, scraping my eyes out because it was interesting to watch, but." Oh, it was it was not the greatest, but that's not my serious one. My I heard Wim one. Wenders was involved with that too. <laughs> exactly. There's a five hour cut of Underground Six. Please. Um, yeah, and it it just blatantly robs from every movie imaginable. But the real Netflix movie I watched this week, because mm -hmm. uh, that was just a throwaway, was um, Dolomite is my name. Oh Have yeah, you watched? No, I haven't. Uh, good fun. Yeah. Uh, very well made. Very well acted. Um, Eddie Murphy back kind of top of his game he he does fantastic with this reminded me a ton of the movie um oh what is it with tommy Wiseau that they just oh the did. room um no, no yes the room but um oh, uh, oh right. what's his name just did that yeah, movie james franco yes thank yeah. you james franco just did the movie here a little while ago it was a lot like that it's about watching somebody make a movie a movie within a movie right. Uh, and how it's a terrible movie, but everybody working on it just loves it to death. Uh -huh. uh, it, it's definitely worth watching. It has a who's who lineup and cast. Um, my my only criticism in the whole thing, it's one of those movies where the main character is intense and passionate the whole time. Yeah. When you read about Eddie Murphy or you hear about Eddie Murphy, the actor, uh, he brings a lot of energy to set, but then he's a very quiet individual when he's off camera uh -huh. or when he's not in his character mode. 
this had elements of that where right. it was the character that he's playing, Rudy Ray. There are moments where you can see the difference between Rudy Ray, the character, and him behind the scenes. But he was still a very intense and energetic person. So the movie got got a little monotone for me. Okay. Um, and, you know, only towards the end do you get these moments of, of kind of pathos kind mm-hmm. of peeking through. Still totally worth watching. Um so yeah, if you haven't seen it, check no, it out. No, I haven't. Yeah. So there you go. There's your double feature. Dolomite <laughs> is my name and Underground Six. Cause wow. I just do that this Sunday. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, Underground Six felt a little bit like a spiritual successor to the Crank films. Do you remember Crank? I never watched any of those. Yeah. It's it's better than Crank. Yeah. Crank made me want to peel my face off mm. the whole time. It was unfolding. Uh, <laughs> This this is better than that. It actually has some personality, and the actors are having fun. But oh my goodness! Okay, Dolomite. <laughs> Wait, were you comparing Crank to Dolomite, or no? no? <laughs> I was comparing Crank to Underground okay. Six. Yeah, I thought so. No, okay. Dolomite is not in the Crank universe, <laughs> unless it's one of the movies that these characters in Dolomite are are dreaming up in their head. That would track, but. I'll just imagine they are connected in some way. Yeah, there you go. All right, so give me something else. <laughs> okay, I watched this film. Um, I, I'm not sure when it came out this year. Maybe recently. Uh, it's called In Fabric. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's a little horror movie that came out and uh, directed by uh, Peter Strickland, who did um, Barbarian Sound Studio. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you ever watch all of that? No. I started it, and I was enjoying it, but it was one of those things where it's, it's pretty... Um, the pace of it's pretty um, slow, okay. not in a bad way, but I just never finished it. Now, what's what's the premise of In Fabric? Because I had I had I've read a lot about it, but yeah. I haven't actually read a plot synopsis or watched a trailer. So, <laughs> the plot of this is like one of the most bonker plot bonkers oh, plots. It's about a haunted dress, <laughs> and you would think that's terrible, but it's not that's because wonderful. it's the perfect amount of comedy okay. and absurdity and actual like there is like some horror elements to it where there I'm, i was actually unnerved by some of the images hmm. that he used with the dress okay. like it just really creeped me out um so yeah it's about this woman who's um played by marion jean baptiste i oh yeah okay. yeah uh do you know I, I was trying to pick out what i'd seen her in but i couldn't really it's not going to come to my yeah, mind i know i know exactly her, but what I you're talking couldn't. about um he plays sheila and she's like a recent divorcee and she's trying to get back out on the dating scene. So she goes to this department store to, and she buys this dress. And the department store is run by kind of this like w- Wiccan witch, like like <laughs> just this group of witches almost. And there's <laughs> they're very like gothic and they speak in like old English and uh, and sell these dresses. And um, I couldn't really gather Are all the dresses haunted or is maybe this a to special... some. I feel like this one might. It's just like cursed in okay. some way. And I'm not I didn't really pick up on if there were others. I think there were, but it was mainly maybe in, to different degrees. Mm-hmm. And um, so she buys this dress and she's basically like her life just starts falling apart and she's getting just maimed by different things and she's trying to get rid of the dress and she can't and it goes in interesting directions and it's just like the perfect amount of humor to it where the um the everyone at the uh at their department store like the just just over the top these witch women like the main woman and uh this is just enough 
creepiness to it. Okay. And one of my favorite things is um, uh, Julian Barrett. Have you ever watched The Mighty Boosh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was recently. Uh, you did you finish uh, the latest season of Killing Eve? Mm-hmm. The woman, the guy um, who he, she goes home with. Raymond? Yeah, where okay. he has the dolls and everything. Oh, no, no. Okay, I know who the, okay. the creepy guy. The second yeah, episode, yeah. the creepy guy with the mom. Yeah. Who that has she gets dimension. trapped in his house for a while. Yeah, that's Julian Barrett. <sighs> okay. So he plays um, <laughs> he plays her boss. at. She works at a bank. And there's just these a couple of sides where he pulls her aside to talk about her performance at the bank that are so funny. Okay. And so enjoyable. Um, I've watched this thing twice. I watched it and I was like, Jenny, you got to see this. And I knew it was right up her alley and it, it okay. definitely was. So I, Yeah, it's on my list. I got yeah. to get to it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Next thing I watched, uh, well, I finished, uh, was The Witcher. Now, did you finish The Witcher I did as well? finish The Witcher. Okay. I have a very strange and fraught relationship <laughs> with The Witcher. Uh-huh. Uh, when it started out, I was just kind of like, yeah, it's, you know, it's yeah. a decent video game, video game adaptation. Uh, it got a little stronger for me. Uh, and then it got to an episode with dragons. Uh, yeah. And it super lost me. Yeah. Then I was just like, okay, bad episode, you know, get back on the horse. Uh, and then it had me again. And then, man, I hated the last episode of the series. I think I liked the, that one the best. Really? Yeah. I hated it. Really? Like, yeah. The last episode should have been titled Geralt in a Cart. That was, <laughs> that was that whole last episode to me. I love the mage stuff. Don't That's get me wrong. That's the thing I liked about I it. Love that. Yeah. I just, and I didn't mind him being separate from that. Yeah. But I, at, at that point, every time it would pull away to Geralt in a cart, yeah. I did not care. I didn't care about his childhood. Yeah. I didn't care about any of it because there's this other stuff that's happening that's so interesting. Yeah. It was a it was a poor episode to kind of have him have all these flashbacks in. I agree. I, um, I but I did enjoy all of the mage stuff and yeah. like that whole battle scene with magic and yeah. everything. Because that's kind of what I was wanting the whole time. Yeah, like I it was felt very magic light before that. Yeah, and um because I was really wanting like I appreciated the dragon level for the journey of it, but the drag- dragons were so yeah, poorly yeah. done. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I just wish there was more beasts of the week throughout yeah. the whole show. So when they finally got to this big battle with magic, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Even though I do agree that the when him with him in the cart, that was yeah. not great. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it was it 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 did enough that I will come back for season two. And I didn't feel my time was wasted. And, and I, I still liked a lot of the performances and a lot of what they were doing. Yeah. And so I'm curious if they get a little bit more of a budget uh, and a little bit more to play with. Right. Um, which, you know, even Game of Thrones, like its first season uh, visually compared to later seasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, is, it's a much smaller mm-hmm. uh, budgeted show. And so I'm, I'm kind of hoping people seem to... Uh, at least from a fan perspective, really be raving about this and and loving it. So I hope they dump a whole lot more into to the second season. Yeah, just see where they go. How did know. you feel about how they played with time? I didn't mind it. I wish they would have made that clear. Me too. Up front. Yeah. Um, because when they finally, when it starts to click, they don't really reveal it. You just start to understand. Oh, yeah. And for me, it was when. And and you can probably pick up on it earlier, but I didn't get it until you're seeing her mother, the girl's mother. And I'm staring at her like, wait, did we just go forward in time? Right. Is that, but no, the grandmother's alive. But, and it, it took me a minute. And then 
I had to go back through and just sort of re-categorize all the stuff that had come before that. Yeah. Was that the episode um, where she's bound to him? Yes. Yeah, that was the same place where I realized. And so it. that was that was really distracting to me. And I, I think if I would have known from the beginning, yeah, here's three separate timelines, it would have been fine. Yeah. And, and I would have been okay with it. It actually would have made their separation better to me. I think so. Um, especially in the, those moments where uh, Geralt and, and Yennefer start to come together and meet each other and mm -hmm. like, oh, wow. Because even then they're just kind of named or not name dropping, but time dropping where it's just like, oh yeah, I've been around 50 years. Right. Like, wait, she's, what? No, you just left the the, the weird magic convent. Yeah, and yeah. And you've been out and about for 50 years. And so my brain was just constantly having to readjust to that timeline. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. And I guess... I guess they just wanted it to feel a little more of like plot twisty, but I don't understand the value of that being right. a plot twist. Yeah. It doesn't enhance it. It's not a surprise in a good way. No. Um, so yeah, that I, I appreciate that they did it. Mm -hmm. I don't appreciate how they, yeah, how they introduced it. I think that it suffers kind of from the whole thing that Netflix tries to, they, I don't know. They, there's a lot of shows on Netflix where they're just drawn out a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. I think this, it could have been cut down a couple episodes yeah. and tightened up a bit. Yeah. Um, cause it just felt a little too lingery on things where it's like, we've already done this or this is not really enhancing the show. Yeah. I don't know. It, and I'd, I'd be interested. I, I can't even in my mind kind of put it together, but I would love to see a linear kind of progression of all the different plot elements and all the different things that, yeah, I'm I'm curious if if they cut it the way they cut it because it it wouldn't have worked as well to them linearly. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't get the girl as early, the little girl, right? But the the Yennefer and Geralt stuff would be pretty lined up, and I think you'd get more impact meeting the daughter, having watched her mother and the grandmother and everything that happened there. The grandmother dying would have really had weight mm -hmm. instead of I mean that happens in what episode one one yeah. And that would have had waited like episode yeah. five or six. Like here's this character and, and you see kind of the tragedy of her arc against destiny. And... Yeah. I don't know if that's something that he plays within the books or something. I don't where know. that's where he she maybe was... did you watch the little behind the scene mm -hmm. thing on Netflix? No. It's the creator of the show or the showrunner interviewing the writer of the books who I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. But he's like the most darling man. He's really? like Yeah. He's kind of the opposite of um George R. R. Martin, where he's just like so impressed by the that something of his is getting made oh, into like cool. this film yeah. adaptation. And he's just so like they're walking through the sets and he's just like lighting up. He's like, I don't know, he's I don't know, I can't remember what like ethnicity or not ethnicity, mm -hmm. but like what um origin he has. Mm -hmm. But he has this accent and um and it's just like to see his the joy and he's just like he has, like he has no like input on it. He's just like I'm happy with whatever you chose to do. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun to just see that little thing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I can understand both. I could understand somebody who's just like, no, I've seen this in my mind for so long. Right, this right. is not what I wrote. Yeah. I could see that be very upsetting. I could also see like, oh man, you're playing with the toys in my toy box. Yeah. And this and is so exciting the, to see yeah. somebody else play with the stuff that I've been playing with for right. the longest time. Yeah. That's um, kind of where he was with it. And so it was cool. kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. But yeah, that's that's my Witcher take. It uh I'll, I'll be back for season 2 and we'll see where it goes and 
if right. it's more of the same or if they do some new and interesting things there. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope they get maybe a little more budget yeah. and see what they can do with it. Um, the last thing I will talk about is I've been watching the second season. It just started airing of um, Joe Para Talks to You. And it's this little show on Adult Swim. Okay. And it's, you know, most Adult Swim shows are pushing the boundaries of sanity. (laughs) And they're like really out there Mm -hmm. and fast paced and um, colorful and they're just in your face. And Joe Para Talks to You is about this, um, I think is an elementary school choir teacher who lives in Michigan. And it's just, that's right. I was wondering, like, why have I heard of this? You told me about this. And it's about him and just his quiet life. And each episode, he just talks to you about something that he's interested in. So like the first season, the first episode is about um, like minerals or something. So he's talking about just like coal and the, what um, minerals are excavated in that area of Michigan. (laughs) So there's um, this season kind of picks up with that same thing. And there's like one episode where he's like, Joe Parra takes you to the grocery store and Joe the, and he goes to the grocery store and he just goes through what he buys each week (laughs) and why he has like three rules for what he buys. And he's like, now is this something a lot of people would find funny or is it that very kind of narrow? You've got to get the joke to, to enjoy it. The thing is, it's it's just like incredibly sincere and it's not like there's this joke you have to get. Okay. It's either you click into you enjoy this man and his life or you don't. Mm-hmm. Like there's not this thing that I feel like you have to be mi- missing. Like there's jokes for sure and they're really like whole, kind of wholesome. It kind of gives me the feeling that like Parks and Rec gave me, okay. but even enhanced a little bit and um each episode's like 11 minutes, so it's just easily Goes down easy. digestible. You okay. can watch a whole season quickly. And like there's an episode called Joe Perro Waits With You. And he he's real like his he has a very small friend group and one of his best friends or his best friend is his grandmother. So he takes every week, he takes his grandmother to the hairdresser. And so he waits <laughs> for her and just talks about how he's been, he goes every week and he's been going since he was a kid. And uh, it's just so incredibly sincere and it like, kind of makes you slow down and appreciate the smaller things in life, like mm-hmm. going to the grocery store or waiting or like a lightning storm or something like that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it is very funny, but okay. it's, I, I just find it highly enjoyable. Right. Yeah. I had forgotten you had told me about yeah. it cause I was going to go check it out. So yeah, I, I definitely think you should. And okay. yeah, this, this time I typed it officially into my phone. So <laughs> I think you're really going to enjoy it right yeah. after in fabric. That'll be an interesting <laughs> pairing. <laughs> Oh, do the Underground Six. Oh, yeah. And, there you uh, go. Yeah. We'll just trade off. And Dolomite. Uh, I'll, I'll pause the movie at one point and look into the sky and just like, I think Clint is weeping right now. <laughs> Something's wrong. I'll try to like set up two televisions that are playing <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah, because you don't, man, this movie is everything you don't enjoy dialed up and mixed together. <laughs> oh, great. Underground Six. I just, I couldn't get over when I was watching it. Yeah. I thought more about you than Ryan Reynolds because I was just, <laughs> man, this is a movie it is tailored uh, for me to hate Clint's movie hell is <laughs> underground six like worse than Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, you, okay. I, I cannot even begin. <laughs> I got the watch fact it now. that I've come back to this. Yeah. I can't even begin to describe to you <laughs> how much, how much more Hobbs and Shaw it is than Hobbs and Shaw. Is. Yeah. It's 
like action figures don't even begin to describe what the directors are doing with this thing. Like, ooh, let's play with this. Mm-hmm. And the special effects guys and the stunt guys must be having a blast on yeah. this movie. Uh, that gives you a little bit of joy. But oh my goodness. You would think that every car in this film is made of paper mache. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's at one point. Uh, I won't tell you what happens. Okay. Because you have to experience it firsthand. But at the very end, the climax of this movie is on a yacht. Uh huh. And what Ryan Reynolds' billionaire character comes up with to combat the endless stream of henchmen that are on this yacht <laughs> is is the most fruity pebbles, Gonzo action thing I have. It's. I think the trailer spoiled that for me. Maybe was it a giant magnet? It is. <laughs> Because that was something I was like, I might need to watch this. <laughs> and it goes on. It happens so many times. And it goes on for the whole of that fight. Okay, I didn't know the trailer spoiled it. It's, man, I I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> now I wish it didn't. Because yeah. I wish I oh, I See, I, it was not spoiled to me at all. Yeah. And they're setting this whole thing up over 15 minutes. I'm like, what in the world are they doing? Mm-hmm. And then when he says about it, I'm like, oh, it's just going to rip their guns out of their hands. And when he turns it on, because <laughs> they're all wearing Kevlar. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Is it's... Kevlar magnetic? In this movie? <laughs> I thought it was like a plastic of some sort. I thought so, too. But Like knit together. I'm telling you. This is some next level Magneto <laughs> tossing people around. Yeah. It's, it's something. Nice. Anyway, last thing I watched uh, was Dracula season one. Mm-hmm. This is on Netflix. This is uh, the same team that brought you the Sherlock series on BBC, which I loved uh, and I enjoyed a whole lot. I liked how inventive it was. Uh, they have tackled old school Bram Stoker or Stoker dracula mm-hmm. um and they do not shy away from from playing with kind of the book and, and the old legend instead of bringing in a lot of movie stuff um and uh it's it's got a good cast it's got a really good tone and wit to it uh it's only it's three episodes three movie length episodes i absolutely loved the first two episodes mm-hmm. really enjoyed them they weren't amazing but uh, man, I was just having a blast with them. And then the third episode <laughs> fully, fully yeah. just cut the umbilical cord to me and left me crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you watched all three? I did and had the exact same reaction. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the first episode, I was so on board. Oh, I enjoyed I the second episode. episode. Mm-hmm. I was into it. Yeah. Second episode felt like a middle episode, but a good middle right. episode. Yeah. I'm I liked like, the things they were playing with. Yeah. And Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, we're getting early England next for the third episode. Yeah. What a great three episode kind of thing. And that is not what they did. No. And uh, suddenly before that, the first two episodes, I'm enamored with just about every character that comes on screen. Yeah. Uh, Agatha the nun and Jonathan Harker and Dracula and Mina and, and all of these people. I was just, even even all of the, the sailors yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I really liked all that On too. the second episode and the yeah. aristocrats and all of that, this this mix of people on a boat. That felt very Doctor Who-y. Yeah. But I loved it. Me too. Third episode, uh, I just, I really hated characters. Me too. I, I didn't care about any of them. <laughs> I didn't care. I, I, I did not have any affection for the Lucy character. No. And I meant to, but I did not. Mm-mm. Um, and a lot of the things they were building to, which I won't spoil, but, um, 
didn't pay off. I thought the, the thing that runs through it is why is he afraid of the cross? Why is he afraid of, uh, you know, these, these things that doesn't make sense. Right. In the second episode, they answer it fantastically. There's, right. there's a great little nugget in there and he denies it, but it's just like, that's, that's perfect. Or mm-hmm. no, he doesn't deny it. He says it. He says, this is why I'm afraid of the cross. He's right. figured it out. And I love that explanation mm-hmm. and it's dismissed. And so I'm thinking, oh man, they've got something really up their sleeve here. And then they get to the third episode and they reveal it all. And it's like, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it was a great idea. They shot away yeah. in place of uh, what they go with. Mm-hmm. Nightclubs. Uh, <laughs> So many nightclubs in that third episode. Yeah. So many long, extended nightclub mm-hmm. scenes, and and just even some of the storytelling. I didn't buy for a second that this this Lucy would be in any way attracted to no. this Dracula character in graveyards and him taking her to graveyards. No, I didn't either. That was not that girl. Yeah, there's a the line oh. about where she's like so enamored with death and stuff and i was like her it's yeah it's not it's not in the text it's no. not there it's not even subtext it's just it's said mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't track at all and i just i was i was so disappointed me and too sad after that it could have been this perfect three chunk thing nope. i was like you said i was so excited for them to get to england and to be like old england yep and then they go modern with it and it just i don't know I was disappointed. Yeah, I you know I'm still glad I watched it. I, yeah, I don't know. I think if maybe it's it's at the point where if I would have known I would be as this disappointed, I wouldn't have even started. I know because it. I really like the first this. two episodes are so good. Me too. Um, it just I don't know. Yeah. Oh well. I know. Did you watch anything else, Clint? I think that's it. I that th- was a chunky. That was what you watch them out. Yeah. All right. I might just list that one out by movie, <laughs> <laughs> like here are the minute marks. If you want to hear about Dracula, jump right to this. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, Mandalorian, did you finish it up? I did, yeah. 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 That's that's the last thing that, that I kind of watched. Uh, what was your take on the Mandalorian, the last episodes? Mandalorian. Um, I, we, did we only talk about... We, we talked up through six. We didn't talk about seven and eight, I don't think. Oh, okay. Um, no, we talked about seven. Yeah, we did. Because we talked about... Because we did... Um, Little Ugnot guy dying and yeah, yeah, yeah. We just didn't talk about the last episode. Yeah, I think the last episode is probably the best episode. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Taika Waititi did yeah. um, that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor Ragnar- mm-hmm. Ragnarok, right? Yep. And Jojo, Jojo Rabbit. Rabbit. Um, fantastic. Um, and he brings a lot to it. I you think. could feel it. Yeah, you could feel the shift for sure. Um, and I really enjoyed, like, there's some great banter, like his style banter between some stormtroopers. and Yeah, a lot of the characters suddenly worked for me because <laughs> done in his more kind of offbeat, off-kilter style worked. Same suddenly. thing with Thor. Yeah. Like, he just yeah. somehow brought this new life to yeah. that that yeah. Uh, franchise. And yeah. same with, like, yeah, I just felt this whole shift. And I was trying not to, like, I was trying to look outside. Is it just because I like his work? But it was like, it just feels different. I, I don't, I just, I think he got more out of the performers. And, and he just, there are little things, the performances that I think he brought out that made them more endearing. Yeah. Uh, we finally get, you know, a mask off. We finally get, uh, what's her face? The the shock, the former shock trooper. Right. She had some really good moments. IG Eleven was fun. Yeah. 
the uh, the the more mercenary stormtroopers were hilarious. It totally works then. Yeah. With these ex Empire guys who are just like, well, now what do we do? Right. And them sitting on the speeder bikes at the beginning so set the tone of that episode for me. <laughs> yeah. I just loved it. And it didn't hurt that they were punching Baby Yoda, which, you know, right. I have no love for Baby <laughs> you, Yoda. So. You really don't. I really don't. Um, and I was saying to you, I feel like I would enjoy this series a lot more if this was maybe the midpoint. Yeah. And it yeah. was building to the midpoint of this and it set everything in motion for yep. the next half of it because this like made me care about the characters. Yep. Um, it made me care about like the journey with him and baby Yoda, even though you don't like baby Yoda. I mean, I don't have that much love for him, but um, yeah, I think it, I would have been probably been more on board with it. I actually went back after that and rewatched through all of them mm -hmm. because I wanted to see if my opinion changed. I think I did enjoy it more my second time through. Um, I still have my same problems with yeah. it, especially the middle chunk of the season and like where he's on the planet with the ATST mm -hmm. that uh, with the small uh, fishing community mm -hmm. or whatever they are, uh, Krill. Um, some of those are really rough. And I think if, like I said, if that was the middle episode and it was building towards that and branched off, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. But you know, Taika tackling an episode with a faceless, red-eyed ATST walker. Yeah, I bet would have been weird. And I, sure. I just, I, I felt like he elevated it. I yeah. felt like he brought it up with just enough uh, heart and humor that it that it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're dealing with that kind of underworld, Star Wars underworld kind of ragtag mix of aliens and empire and rebels and bounty hunters. Yeah. And, it was fun to see things. them as the crew because yeah. that made it feel more Star Warsy. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a word. Yeah. And, and my only thing there is uh, it felt so crew. Yeah. But then they off the droid. Right. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, I almost wish that episode had ended with them all in one piece, still all together. Then I would have been like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is his new kind of little family unit. And Tim Buck says IG-11 comes back over and over again. Right. And yeah. the running joke will probably be that he always dies. <laughs> Which is <laughs> the Kenny of the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if that's what they're doing, then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of appreciate yeah. him dying. But Yeah, it kind of would have been fun if, like, it was this arc of um, how the Ugnot guy, what's his name? Uh yeah. Yeah. Little Uggy. He, <laughs> Uggy. <laughs> he, um, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte's Uggy. How he brought, um, him back yeah. from the first episode, like that was the midpoint. And he brings him back, but he's like his, his, um, he's altered to yeah. his current state. Yeah. So, well, and that's, you know, the robot didn't need to die. You just had the death of the character before that with the Ugnaught. And so right, there's right. your emotion. You yeah. don't really need the, just have this crazy droid walk through lava, shoot a bunch of people. He loses his legs. They drag his torso out. And right. I'm like, oh, we'll put you back together. It was kind Friends. of. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about how in the first episode, how willingly he was to like blow himself yeah. up, self-destruct. <laughs> so it was kind of fun to see like that's where it was bookended kind yeah. of where he does do it finally. At yeah. the end. So yeah. I don't know. There was things I, I, I think my second time, like I said, I enjoyed mm -hmm. it more and I'll probably with this last episode, I hope 
it gets better. I just need them to do something to to make me love Baby Yoda. When yeah. that stormtrooper with the flamethrower came in and started shooting the fire, my brain, I, I'm a monster, <laughs> but I was like, get him. Get him. And I knew wow. he was going to force fan the flame, yeah. but I was just like, come on. Yeah, I wish Come he had on. done more stuff through the season like that. Because, yeah. like, those moments are pretty fun. Yeah. But right. well, I don't know. Yeah, it it did just enough at the tail end. Right. I'll see what happens second season. Yeah. Next year. Because <laughs> it takes them a year to make eight wow. half-hour Star Wars episodes. Which, you know, Hollywood, I don't get it. But some mm. people do. So, good. For good sure. on them. Good, right. good job. Yeah. So, Clint and I have uh, worked tirelessly i feel like i put a little bit more brain energy than i was expecting into it so you're not too far off we uh we are going to tackle kind of our best of the year best of 2019 and uh let's let's lay a few ground rules up front we're going to go through our 10 did you put your 10 in an order i did excellent because you said you Uh, were yes i did as well so i was hoping peer pressure yeah i felt it I didn't want to do a in no particular order kind of thing. I really yeah. wanted to like count down to number one. Yeah. So we'll do our 10. We have some runners up we'll talk about after that. Now, the only question I had is I have two movies kind of listed off to the side. Are all of your movies official 2019 movies? Yes. Okay. They are. I, I would have had a list so long if because okay. I've found so many good movies that maybe came out last year yeah. or yeah. like through Criterion that it's just like yeah. I... All right. Well, my runners up, I cheated and put two 2018 films that I didn't know existed until 2019, but uh, I I know they're there. So, yeah. All right. You ready to start this? Are we going to do back and forth? Yeah, we'll do back and forth. Uh, We'll start with yours. Does that sound good? You ready for your number 10? Yeah. I guarantee you're not ready for my number 10. (laughs) So, my back half of this list, maybe they could have swap places like yeah, like yeah, it, my it's kind of fluid kind of the same yeah my first half i feel pretty solid about it or my front half but so my first one was marriage story for okay. number 10 and I, I just to let you know i watched this yeah. this week yeah so adam driver and scarlett okay. johansson um i i just was really into this film i loved the performances i thought it was like had this beautiful naturalistic um like acting to it and there's just these beautiful scenes of dialogue that just flow and i think it's probably his best film to me i even though i really love francis ha i think i said that in the past Mm -hmm. episode like because i I think Greta gerwig's amazing in that um but i think this is his best like most solidly written film Mm -hmm. like it just like I don't know, dialogue, everything. The performances are extraordinary. Yeah, uh, Adam Driver especially. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlett Johansson does extremely well. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel for her as much. There were moments where he's breaking apart and just kind of, you know, getting thrown up against the system. And he's not a perfect guy. They're, they're in no Both way. Aren't. Yeah, he's not being presented as a no, no. A, he's a proxy for. He's done horrible things. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I those. First couple monologues by her really oh, made me feel for her. The, yes, definitely. And I love that the movie opens with letters yeah, that, the, me that too. they've written to each other that talk about their good qualities. Because right from the beginning, it was such a clever way to introduce that. that. 
that is what sold me on it yeah. immediately. I yeah. was like totally invested in both right of them. from the beginning. Here's exactly why we fell in love with each other. Yeah. Here's exactly what these people are and whatever you're about to see or whatever they say to each other or whatever you might think, yeah. remember that these, these are, these are the, these characters at the core. Yeah. And this is what we probably still do love about yeah. each other, but it's just maybe not enough yeah. to withhold the, or our relationship to withstand and, it. And it, for me, it actually amplified the tragedy of them falling apart because mm -hmm. like, man, if you had just spent more time telling each other the things that you wrote in that letter right. and focusing on those things instead of career or, or all of these, these other yeah. kind of distractions, they would have been fine. They would yeah. have still had some rocky patches, but I, I think they would have survived. Um, I really appreciated that, uh, usually in these kind of stories, you see two people going at each other. Right. And I didn't feel, I mean, it, it gets to that at times, but it's lawyer driven. Mm -hmm. The, the system is built to amplify the, the conflict. Right. And so these people who genuinely want to have a, a relatively conflict free separation, get drug into the circus. Mm -hmm. And that was so sad to me. That was more sad to me than their actual divorce. Right, right. Was that they were being turned into things they clearly weren't. Yeah, And yeah. you could see and, him and struggling Yeah, with like Adam Driver's character especially, like he's like, I didn't want any of this. Yeah. And he's being pushed there. And I feel like how their divorce unfolds and how it's pretty amicable, amicable at the beginning and it just kind of gets pushed into this area where they're not really not that they hate each other, but mm -hmm. they, everything that they've been, f the negative feelings they've had to all come out at once in these big explosive, yeah. it's not throughout, which I feel like really maintains the film. And I feel like how that was presented felt really natural and how friends of mine and, or like, um, other people I know who have gotten divorces, it, it felt like that yeah. where it's not like this giant fight throughout. It's like, this decision that's made and then like there's moments where it's really ugly and yeah, yeah. and I think that's what made it like bearable to watch this horrible mm -hmm. like this really painful thing like mm -hmm. because it's I don't know the whole thing wasn't yelling and mm -hmm. um, fighting oh and and even when they do yell towards the end yeah when there's that knockout drag out uh argument right verbal argument but Oh, that's rough. I know. And the things they're saying to each other, and you can see they don't mean them. Right, But they right. do, but they don't. It's kind of it like just, oh. like an old yeller kind yeah. of thing, or like, we're, we, it's just like, for your own good, I need to push you away at this moment. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, I thought it um, was really well done. Yeah, I, I came away from it not feeling great about humans in the world, but still feeling kind of good about humans yeah, in the world. Yeah, because how um, it resolves i did i did kind of feel like mm -hmm. it for the best it ended the best it could have probably yeah. Yeah. for them and it was almost like this horrible experience had dragged them closer to where they needed to be all along right and they weren't together unfortunately yeah. but it, as far as people they were the people they needed to be to save the marriage it was right. too late for that but it was not too late for them as, as characters yeah and as like parents yeah. to like maintain that relationship yeah. for their son and yeah. stuff so yeah, like I okay. said, that could have been in a different spot, but for now it's there. My number 10 is a film called Never Surrender. Have uh -huh. you heard of this? No, I don't think so. The full title is Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. Oh, okay. It's great. Yeah? It's, it's, oh my goodness. I'm, I have it at my number 10 spot, Yeah. but I'm pretty sure 
it, it probably deserves to go higher. Uh-huh. I just watched this this week. Uh, it wow, does it juggle a lot of things. Mm. It somehow balances kind of a an, an overview of the troubled production of Galaxy Quest, right? Uh, which is one of my just yeah dearly it's, favorite it's films. Great. I love yeah. it. Uh, did you know that Harold Ramis had it originally? No, I don't think uh, I Yeah, he was the original director signed on to it. It was going to be much more of a Spaceballs kind of romp. Oh, okay. Uh, and then he left the project because he was having a hard time. He wasn't upset that they were getting Tim Allen after this long casting search, but he felt like he wasn't the right director to get out of Tim Allen what the film was going to need. And so then they brought in this other guy who had only done home fries before that, okay. this one film. Uh-huh. And the producer basically just told him like, you're going to do this and you're going to be great. And uh-huh. just believed in him. Huh. And it's the same producer who did the same thing with Vince Gilligan. Really? Uh, yeah. Long before breaking bad, it was just like, there's something about this kid and just stuck with him and believed in him. Hmm. And then 30 years later, Vince Gilligan, you know, brings out breaking bad. Right. Uh, so it it tracks all of the production, all of that. It has interviews with everyone, which really? is a big deal to me on documentaries yeah, like yeah. this. Interviews with everybody imaginable. They're all very candid. It's funny. There's uh, way more anecdotes than you would think they could cram into an hour and a half. Now, on top of all of this, so already I'm loving this documentary just for the story it's telling. Uh-huh. Now it takes these tangents and they're very organic tangents. It deals with how they were having a Galaxy Quest kind of series come together on Amazon and then Alan Rickman dies. Oh. And so a whole section of the documentary becomes this Alan Rickman tribute. Yeah, yeah. While weaving it into what that character does in that movie and and what is accomplished in some of the emotional beats there with him uh-huh. and what he brought to the performance and his, he had kind of a strained relationship with Tim Allen because Tim Allen was a crack up and he's a very serious actor, right. much like their characters in the movie. <laughs> it just, it had I, for, for a, a documentary about a movie, I have never seen a documentary like this put so many layers on top of each other. Mm-hmm. It also deals with the fact that this is a love letter to fans. It doesn't make fun of fans. It doesn't make fun of the nerd community. Right. Especially at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, where that was not a popular thing. But it it's 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 a love letter to mm-hmm. them. And so it builds on that. And so the whole time you're also seeing these people who go to Galaxy Quest screenings and conventions, which is a thing apparently. Huh. Um, and it just I cannot believe how much was packed in this hour and a half. Yeah. I cried at this documentary. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And and that showed me how how uh, how good of a movie Galaxy Quest is because there were times they would show scenes like full length scenes yeah uh, like when he's telling him I'm just an actor and he's laying on the table and they're forcing him to tell him like I'm tearing up watching this scene even though I'm completely divorced from the context <laughs> of the movie uh, and then there were other times like when they were talking about Alan Rickman and stuff I'm just getting all weepy on yeah and it was just it was wonderful it was it was fantastic. And far, far better than than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, it definitely makes my top ten. That's and cool. And probably will climb more. Yeah, I I think I had heard about that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the name of it when you said it, but yep. I'm gonna definitely watch it. I love that. It's movie. great. It was just everything about it was right up my alley. Yeah, it was it was three documentaries in one, oh. and I just mm, nice. loved it. They even had Sigourney Weaver. They just everybody. Yeah, that helps. Nobody when was you get too everyone. famous to be right. in this documentary. Yeah. And you you really get the sense that like wow these people love this project yeah and you, it was funny watching Sam Rockwell and some other actors look back at this very early role uh huh um, yeah you would think that they it. do have love for it if they were willing to possibly come back for another yeah. one and so it's cool that they got them at least for this yeah. if it never happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, you're number nine. Um, so what I did, um, which might be slightly confusing, is I had a couple spots where it could have been one or the other films, and I okay. kind of like them equally, or like so I ha- so I kind of have a double spot for a couple of these, okay. and this is one of them. Is that like a nine and eight could switch those two movies, or no? Like- or these two films could fill nine. Oh, okay. So like they I could understand. So I could take one All out, right. or so just, what's your number nine pair? So my nine spot is Crawl mm-hmm. and In Fabric. Oh, okay. So I just depending on my mood, I could have just swapped one out. Okay. And uh, I wish I could have just made a 20 list. I had, yeah. I, I'm surprised how many films I actually really like this year. I was too, because I was, I was kind of convinced it was just not a great year. Yeah, me too. Um, and then I saw a bunch of stuff towards the end of the year. And mm-hmm. then like, I went through like all the line, um, online lists of films that came out mm-hmm. this year. I was like, oh wow, that came out this year. Yeah. So anyway, so okay. yeah, Crawl, which we had recently just reviewed. And just the bottom line is it's better than it should be. It's right. Just, it's so good. It's extremely fun yeah. and it's really well done for what it is. Yeah. This creature feature. Like I was totally in uh, just enthralled by the whole yeah. thing. Like uh, just the whole premise of this <laughs> alligators in a house during a hurricane. <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. Sounds horrible on paper, but also a really amazing idea. Yeah. Like why hasn't that been done? Yeah. And it was just really great. I don't know. It was really entertaining. And then in Fabric, which I just talked about, which just just so amused me. Like, and I really hope you watch it. But uh, yeah, I just talked about that for uh, like 10 minutes. So I won't talk anymore about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My number nine is not a double spot. Yeah. My number nine is Light of My Life. Uh, which uh-huh. stars Casey Affleck. Have you seen it? No, I, I have not yet. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. I was not anticipating enjoying this movie as much as I did. Um, it is very clearly um, taking some pretty large inspiration from the road. Right. That's what it seemed um, like. There's, you know, even in how they do the flashbacks to his wife and things like that, it feels at times way too much like the road. Right. And they should have been aware of the road and at least made stylistic choices uh, to avoid that comparison. That being said, yeah, this movie does so much that's different from The Road. Uh-huh. The Road has a very, you have a stoic father who doesn't quite know how to have a relationship with his son. And you get the 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 impression that the relationship was between the son and the mother. Mm-hmm. This is completely flipped. The movie opens with, I'm, I kid you not, 10 minutes of just Casey Affleck laying in a sleeping bag in a tent facing his daughter... And he's just telling her a story. Uh-huh. And she's just being a kid like, Dad, don't make this story about me. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not. But he clearly is. Right. And they're just having this playful little banter. And he's telling this story. And you can tell Casey Affleck is ad-libbing it just like the father is making this up as he goes along. And it threw me off at first because I'm like, when does this scene cut? When do we get to the concept of this movie? Which is, a, I'll talk about in a minute. It's a big concept. Um but it's it's similar to marriage story. It's this this moment of here's who these people are, mm-hmm. and you're going to care about these people because here's their actual relationship, and whatever else happens, here's what matters. And the premise is just uh, there's there's some sort of virus. They don't go into a lot of it, uh, but it's basically killed off females. Okay. And uh, this father has a daughter that has somehow survived this plague, and he is posing her as a boy. 
um, to protect her and they're, they're kind of traveling through the wilderness, but he's not stupid. Right. She's getting older and you can see in her face, she has very feminine features and, and you can tell she's a girl, which also bothered me at first. I'm like, well, how are, it's obvious she's a girl. Well, yeah, it's obvious she's a girl in every town they go to when they have to run into people, everybody's eyeballing her like, right. is that a girl? <laughs> and so it's just kind of a, a road movie about, uh, surviving in, in this kind of world with this very, very sweet relationship. Hmm. And it did things I wasn't expecting. It was, um, you used the word wholesome earlier. It was a way more wholesome movie than I was expecting. Huh. It has moments of violence. Right. Um, but it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a movie I could sit there and watch with my kid. It wasn't, hmm. it just, it's it's hard to explain what worked about it. Wasn't it wasn't like gratuitous and there was nothing yeah. gratuitous there, uh, especially with the concept. I was expecting something, you know, I was, I was expecting it to be heavy on the oh, it's rape fears. Right, or that's things what like I that. was afraid it was going to go. You can tell that's in the back of his mind, but he never once says it. She even asks, like, you know, why is it so dangerous? Yeah, you can see it all over his face, and he won't tell her, um, because you know, she's just not at that age yet, mm -hmm. and it just the relationship between them. And there are these moments throughout the movie, and and it really just hinges on these little relationship beats. At one point, they're kind of comfortable and hold up in a house, and uh, he decides this is the moment to tell her where babies come from. <laughs> and it's the most awkward and adorable dad speech uh -huh. ever. And she's like, yeah, I know. And then he gets freaked out that she already knows. And like, what do you mean you already know? You know, well, I'm, I, I already read that in a book. It's like, well, I need to read the books you're reading. It's just, it's, it's this weird disconnect and contrast. And I just, I, I really loved it. I, I he directed it, it right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, check it, check it out. It was, yeah. it was a lot better than I was expecting. And, um, I watched it twice and oh. the second time I enjoyed it even more because I didn't have those expectation moments of like, right. why are we watching these people talk for 10 minutes? Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was great. So you're number eight. Number eight. Another pair? This is another pair. Okay. These couple are a pair. Her Smell Oh. with Elizabeth Moss. Let's go ahead and talk about simultaneously because my number eight is Her Smell. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you want to just do that and then you can talk about your? Yep. All right. What's, well, what's your other one? Oh, my other one is uh, Nightingale. Oh, okay. Um, so Her Smell, yeah, with Elizabeth Moss, which mm -hmm. we talked about pretty extensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's a 90s rocker and going through quite a bit of a... <laughs> a little bit of a life crisis. A little bit of a crisis. <laughs> she's yeah. kind of awful, yeah. but it has a beautiful redemption story. It really does. And, and the performances just sell it. Yeah. I, I won't go into all that again, but man, no. the performances in this movie are strong. And it's just really well structured in these mm -hmm. four, I think it's four acts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's just a great performance and yeah. i really enjoy that film yeah. i don't know yeah. um what did you have anything to say about it just i mean we talked about it i know we, we already fell in love with it and talked about it yeah. so much i hate going back over it it just it 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 really is a movie that needs to be watched again yeah and seen from different perspectives and it was just it was so surprising to me uh the the decisions it made and how how suspenseful it was at times right tense and i know um a lot of things that that I've just appreciated more on on second watch. Did you watch it? Oh, uh, you did watch it. Again. I, I watched it a second yeah, time. I need to watch I it a second time. A third. 
Yeah, I need to watch um, it again, knowing where it goes, and yeah. just to then kind of follow the arc of where yeah. she ends up. I, I need to pick up a copy and add it to my shelf. I think I mean, it has a commentary on it, which I'm really oh, interested nice. to, to grab. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Nightingale, too, mm-hmm. which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually a 2018 film. Is it? Yeah, it's not on. Well, it came out in the U.S. in 2019. Okay. And that's why I asked you earlier, because I didn't know. Oh. Because Nightingale would also be on my okay. list. But I I'll, didn't really... I'll let you talk. No, it's fine. It, yeah. Go for it. Um, so yeah, it's about, um, this woman in, it's like the 1800s, mm-hmm. um, maybe 1890 or something, maybe a little later, uh, in Australia. And she's kind of, um, enslaved, not quite enslaved. She's, um, yeah, we talked about it, but she's held, not held captive, but what would, would you say? She, yeah, yeah, she's, she's kind an of, indentured servant. Yeah, she's an indentured servant and yeah. like her um with her family and she wants to kind of get out of this not contract but the situation and she's been trying to get her keeper to let her go so she can live a normal kind of life with her husband and this man has been abusing her um clearly and it comes to a head where he's basically rapes her and kills her husband and baby and so it's a revenge story it's about her um, going into wil- into the wilderness of Australia to hunt him down with the help of this Aboriginal um, mm-hmm. man who's a tracker to hunt him down. And it's about revenge and what does revenge mean? And, and the relationship is, between those central characters yeah, is really strong. It's really and strong and like it's very beautiful by the mm-hmm. end and just like very deep. And it's just about what revenge is and does it, solve anything and, and what it does to a person along right, the way right and P- yeah. ptsd from yeah. events that she went through and just her journey through this yeah. whole thing and yeah. and it's really well shot and there's just this really beautiful atmosphere to it and uh it's brutal for sure yeah. and it was one yeah. i was like not gratuitous just brutal. no 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 and it's not gratuitous as much as everyone wants to say that it's, it's that's nonsense no yeah. and it makes it's me not. infuriated every time i see that written no. somewhere because it's it's not um but it's great and i it could have probably ended up anywhere on my list but yeah. just for now it's there with um her smell at number okay. eight my number seven is el camino a bad breaking bad story ah uh, yeah um and I, I went back and watched it again, and loved it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a better sense of the fact that it's just a modern western the second time. Right. Uh-huh. I don't think I was picking up on that as much yeah. the first time, uh, and the second time almost to the point of feeling like it was a Coen Brothers kind of um, No Country for Old Men style uh-huh. modern western. Huh. Um, and appreciated the performances even more. Now, this is a movie I already loved when I watched it at yeah, first. Yeah, I'm surprised I um, t- kind of forgot about it. But, but yeah, the second time through, even more. Uh, and it's just, you know, a little flick on Netflix, and it does what it shouldn't be able to do, which is to follow up Breaking Bad in a new and interesting way Yeah, that still feels Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but at the same time recognizes we don't have that dynamic that made Breaking Bad what it was. Okay. Now we're doing this because this yeah. is about this character and it's okay that it's different because he's different and mm-hmm. he's in a different place. I loved its use of flashback to tell future character beats. I thought that was so interesting. And it just, 
so much about it uh, was just intelligent and thoughtful and and just it felt meaningful yeah. to that character. It, it didn't just feel like a, oh, and here's what happens. Right. And it didn't feel like they were just cashing in on mm-hmm. the success of Breaking Bad. Yeah, it felt not. like a natural, like not conclusion, but mm-hmm. in, in um, development for that character. And it was really, I think it was just like kind of perfectly managed yeah. in every way and i don't think i had it on my list or even written down because i just kind of now lump it into breaking bad because yeah. it just naturally fit into that yeah. little puzzle piece i was excited to have a way to cheat breaking bad into a movie list so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so yeah. if i had thought right. about it it probably would have made it my list all right what's your seven so these are another two okay these are my last two that are chunked together but um i lost my body on oh, netflix that i in- forgot got that movie <laughs> oh no clint i completely forgot you that can, movie you can uh click it into one of yours and oh, make a double if you want no <laughs> i have failed oh man you can, all right i'm you sorry can, go on as i talk about it you can click it into a spot if you want so i lost my yeah. body is this great uh french animated film that's on netflix about a boy um who loses his hand and his hand is trying to kind of um, make its way back to him. It's the central character. Across the city. And so it's about this hand and its memories of its life with its human counterpart. And also it's the boy falling in love with this girl. And then it's about his memories too and his past and his his family and um, dynamic. And yeah, and it's just – it's really interestingly structured how Mm – the with the hand coming back and um the story of this boy and it's beautifully animated in this kind of this almost sketchy way um and the music's really great uh, just this really nice nice atmosphere to the whole thing and i watched it a couple times in a row and when I do that, then I know it's mm-hmm. got to go on my list. It's so good that I genuinely, I'm angry at myself <laughs> right now. I cannot believe I didn't put that on my list. Yeah. And it like, it's nowhere. It's not even in my honorable mentions. <sighs> I completely forgot about it. And there was even something in my mind, like look back over the titles we reviewed on yeah. the podcast yeah. to start this thing. And I just forgot to do that. Oh, yeah. such a good movie. Okay. Yeah. What's, what in my, the world did you pair with that? Well, uh, this, it's not quite a perfect pairing, but okay. it was this movie I I almost forgot about too, and it was one we reviewed. But a woman at war. Mm. Um, it's just like this nice little Icelandic flick about this woman who's a mm-hmm. eco warrior, and she's um, trying to balance this life she has of eco, not eco terrorism, but like she's trying to um, stop this um, industrial. Um, system in, that's mm-hmm. in place in Iceland from taking over and destroying the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's about her balancing that with her uh, real life. And she wants to become a mother. So she's trying to adopt this baby and she's trying to figure out how um, that would tie into this crusade she's mm-hmm. on. And it's another one where the music is fantastic and it's got this live score to it where there's this small ensemble group <laughs> that's playing and is in the scenes with you her. You see the band. Yeah, you see sitting the band there playing the and, soundtrack. And they're emphasizing everything she's going through and like different like drums come in and yeah. other instruments leave yeah. and come in and like it expands and then you realize like it just unfolds in this really yeah. interesting way and it's 
I, I really like that film. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, my number six is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, mm. um, which it just oh, it's so much fun. And this week, uh, while I was putting this list together, was kind of it was just a Ryan Johnson week because <laughs> uh, episode eight's getting a little more love after episode nine. And they just re-released Brick, or they released Brick for the first time on Blu-ray. And it's got oh, right. a commentary and all kinds of stuff. It's mm-hmm. got a new um, 4K transfer. It's it's all kinds of pretty. And I forgot how much I love that movie Tom I'm watching it again. Yeah. Uh, and they're talking about doing a pseudo-sequel to Knives Out. I uh, did see that. That has the same detective character. Oh, Not okay. necessarily the other characters, but uh-huh. just the next uh, mystery that... that he's tackling and i love the idea of ryan johnson sure. doing a, a agatha christie style movie <laughs> universe of of these murder mysteries that are just crazy yeah uh, but yeah knives out was just so much fun characters right. casting performances it was just a blast yeah and i can't wait to watch it again especially without a noisy audience <laughs> uh, but loved it and loved it so much i just find my mind i'll be driving and i'll think about something like that little white supremacist kid and i'll start <laughs> laughing <laughs> out of nowhere and rachel's you know what are you laughing at yeah like, nothing yeah so yeah knives out was my number six nice um am i on six too uh you should be yes yeah. uh so this is another i just talked about this film but the last black man in san francisco oh, okay. is on my list um number six I I love this film. I don't know. It was perfectly toned toned for me. I, I, the music was great, and I was totally surprised by it. I, I think if you check it out, I think if you're not sold in the first like two minutes, then you might not be for you, okay. because it like I was totally invested in the first couple minutes. It just does interesting things, and the story is really heartfelt, and I really liked it. Okay. All right, my number five then is Lighthouse. Uh, Lighthouse. Very interesting because wow. my number five is Lighthouse too. Is it really? Yeah. So we we hit on her smell and Lighthouse. Yeah. Other ones are all over the place, but okay. Lighthouse. I believe I texted you right after watching yeah, it. And I'm you like, did. this thing is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much more out there than I was expecting. I yeah. thought it was going to be a very uh, kind of focused character drama until the last five minutes. I thought the last five minutes were going to be the madness section. Oh my! This this whole movie <laughs> is nuts. Yeah, and we'll do uh, a longer like. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. There's still definitely a build. Yeah. In in that madness, uh, but wow, the the work that um, that Robert Pattinson and um, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe put into this thing. Uh, so at one point, Willem Dafoe uh, is being, I won't say why, but he's hes being covered in dirt. And <laughs> it's just a shot of Willem Dafoe being covered in dirt. Being and buried it's going alive. in his mouth. Yeah. It's going in his eyes. And you can tell this is not easy for him. Yeah. He is not having an easy performance, but he is still spitting out those lines and spitting out mud. These guys went all in on this movie. I don't know. The The director's name is Dave Edgar. Edgers. Yeah. I don't know what he does to actors, but man, they commit to him because this was 
this was wild. Yeah. Uh, I still am not, I've watched it twice. I still have no clue exactly what happened. Yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to. Right. Um, there, I think I need to give into that because I, yeah. I think I will enjoy it more. Like, I think this is one where it'll move up my list. Yeah. The more I watch it because yeah. all the elements are there that I love. Like I love the look of it, the music, yeah. the tone. That foghorn. Yes. That oh my low boom! I love that, just like popping in and out. At and first, I thought it was part of the score. Yeah, uh, and it it, but it because it does become part it, of it. It does, but it changes volume yeah. and it hits at certain moments, and it just oh yeah. And because also, I was picking up on like all of the rest of the soundtrack mm-hmm. is like wind powered instruments like if it's the accordion or if it's like a horn of some sort or just some other wind noise it's all like this really low like windy like like no like noise underneath the whole thing and uh yeah i was actually read i think it might have been with the director talking about that scene you were talking about where he's covering with dirt and how I think it was like the second day they oh, wow. were doing that, and like how he was he was not a happy camper. He said, <laughs> "I can't imagine that was just." And I started to think, like, is it just chocolate pellets? Is it like it can't just be dirt? Just dirt? Nope, just dirt. And I am really mad that I did not get to see this on the big yeah, screen because too. I think I would appreciate it even more yeah. to see that image big in that sound big. Because just watching it on my television, I feel like it's not doing it. Yeah. I feel justice. like it would have really echoed through the theater, especially yeah. during the storms and, yeah. and all of that. Uh, you know, and and wow, watching Robert Pattinson beat a seagull to death <laughs> is not something I knew that would be added to my kind of cinematic reservoir. But that's Those in there you now. Now you Whew, can't to unforget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was just it was excellent, and it's it's low on narrative. High own character. Yeah. And uh, the second time I went through, I had mentioned to you, I, I think a lot of the times when it suddenly jarringly cuts from one scene to the next, I think it's I think it's the character that's losing his sanity blacking out and coming to. And when I, I watched I it that way that. the second I time. I didn't pick up on that still. When I watched it the second time, it worked because mm-hmm. it, it sort of, I didn't realize the first time how much the movie is pinned to Robert Pattinson. I felt like it yeah. was a dual character thing. The second time it was very, no, this is Robert Pattinson's yeah. movie. Yeah. And there's Willem Dafoe is just a character in it. There's like one or two shots just separate of William Dafoe. Yeah. And yeah, Edgars was talking about that where, yeah, he was saying this is Pattinson's yeah. Um, yeah. movie and it's all from his perspective. Yeah. Oh, and once I watched it that way, then that's where the blackout thing or why it would suddenly just skip from one Give me an example of that. So, so I when it happens, at all the second time. when it happens is when he's terrified. Yeah. Every time. So when he finds the body or when he finds the creature or when he goes up in the lighthouse or all of those different moments, he has this moment of extreme terror and panic or he's running and suddenly mm. it flips to the next. And it starts out where like the first time it happens, he's running and then Willem Dafoe's character is like, what's, what's wrong with you? And he sort of plays it off as, as next to nothing. But there's still a small skip in there. The skips get bigger and bigger. I think that was the scene where he sees the creature for the first time. Mm-hmm. That he 
That was the only that was because I'm still not sure if any of that really happened. I I'm I already told you I buy fully into this is a supernatural thing for me. Yeah. For me, this is Lovecraft. That was the only scene where it made me kind of feel like maybe because there is no skip. Yeah. It's him immediately running into the building and him saying, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Maybe. But I still I'm not sure if he still hallucinated it. Yeah. And. Uh, especially I, I there's the dialogue is a little hard to understand with both of them having yeah. these thick accents. I had subtitles on. I need to do that. I, I cheated. Because there's in the early scene, I mean, Defoe basically lays out exactly what happens because he's talking about the previous mm-hmm. keeper with him and it's exactly what happens to him. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he that's kind of what he's going through. So yeah. I'm I'm and not I'd, I'm still not sure. I, I feel like that's it, it is what happens, but it's on this very specific island. Yeah. Uh, with this very specific lighthouse, or I don't know. I'm really? sure we'll talk about this one more. <laughs> I would love to deep dive this one. So it was it was really good. All yeah. right. Do you have anything else about Lighthouse since it was both our number fives? No, I think we covered it. Okay. My number four, uh, my favorite movie and your favorite movie, Avengers Endgame, which I'm assuming is nowhere on your nope. list. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was going to be on yours. Yeah, it's 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 not quite. I don't think it can crack the top three. But man, I love this movie. Yeah, and it gave me all the the geek feels. It gave <laughs> me all the nerd chills and all the moments I needed. Mm-hmm. And I still, I have watched this movie way too many times, and I still tear up on cue. <laughs> still get chills on cue. And uh, man, just love that movie. Yeah, uh, and just as a culmination of of twenty two different films. To build uh, this story is is such a crazy accomplishment in my mind. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot. Jim Jim Cameron uh, or James Cameron released. You guys on first day. <laughs> <We are. laughs> wow, man, can you introduce I... me someday? <laughs> Just me and Jim Cameron, Jimmy Cameron, hanging out. Jim uh, <laughs> Jim released some of his new concept art <laughs> for Avatar two. Yeah, and the internet turned on him. Okay. Uh, and the reason the internet turned on him is because, and everybody kept saying, like the MCU, since you have made the first Avatar, the MCU made 22 films right. that built in one story, and you're just now releasing concept art for Avatar wow. 2. Uh-huh. Why should we care? Right. It was such an interesting backlash. Um, but yeah, uh, it, Avengers Endgame, just, it was it was a culmination it was an experience. It was a theme park. It was also <laughs> cinema. It was all of these things in one. And it just don't let Scorsese hear you say that. It just it just bow wrapped my heart and took it out of my chest and gave it back to me as a gift. And I'm oh, like, that was thank kind. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh I just I loved it. Yeah. I, loved I liked it, it too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I did you honorably like it or you didn't even honorably like it? What do you mean honorably like it? Are you about to honorably mention it later? Or no, no, I'm not. No, no, no. It didn't. No. I enjoy those films. I do. I know. We won't go or, back into No. It. I no. enjoy them. Okay. So your number four, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War, Endgame, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Home? Yep. No. Ad Astra. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, science fiction movie from this year with Bradley Pitt. Bradathan Pitt. Bradathan Pitt. <laughs> yeah, and it's about him on this journey through space to find his father who may potentially destroy all of humankind. Might be a bad guy. Might be might a bad not. guy. Might, might just might. be a little senile up in space yeah. and they have yeah. some father-son Love issues. this movie. Fantastic 
movie. I need to rewatch it. I still haven't rewatched it. Um, I'm thinking I'll probably enjoy it more the second time. I did pick it up, mm -hmm. but it's just really well shot. And there's this weird kind of Terrence Malick mm -hmm. um, narration over it, which I was not expecting. So it's just very like inner spectral. Is that a word? No, sure. <laughs> it's like just very internal inside of Bradley Pitt. Bradley Pitt. <laughs> you have yet to call him Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. I don't know why. Um, but Bradison uh, Pittmeyer. Bradison Pittmeyer the third. And it's um, yeah about him on this adventure through space, trying to get to his father. And yeah, it's it was great. I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about. It. We talked about it extensively, mm -hmm. and I'm really looking forward to going through it again. So. Yeah. My number three uh, is a little flick we watched together just recently, Parasite. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, this one, this one's just stuck in my brain. Hmm. Uh, and at its core, it's about this. Uh, it's a Korean film, uh, and mm -hmm. it's about this uh, lower class family that, through some um, hilarious con artistry, uh, cons their way into one by one getting hired into the employ of this very wealthy family. And the mm -hmm. wealthy family has no idea it's hiring an entire family. That's how deep the con runs. Uh, but I. I just, I love this movie. I loved every minute of it. I was really surprised at how funny it was. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it has moments of horror, but it's, it's borderline horror comedy, even in those moments. And it was just, uh, I really regretted that Rachel didn't watch it. She didn't watch it because it was a horror film, but she would have loved it. She loves yeah, bizarro like that one too. Uh, comedy like that. And uh, it was just, it was a really good time. I hesitated putting it on my list because I feel like it's one I need to watch again. I didn't put it on my list. Um, but I, like, as I went through it, I would go movie by movie and like, did I enjoy this more than you know, right. number 10? Did I enjoy it num more than number nine? And that's how I put mine together. And every time I ask that question up to and past Avengers Endgame, like, yeah, or just, man, Parasite. Yeah. So it's it's not out yet in the U.S. It's not on Blu-ray, uh, but it's definitely one to check out. Yeah, I really liked it, um, and I want to watch it again. I think I had a lot of expectations for mm -hmm. it. I like we talked about. I think the internet is ruining movies yep. in a big way. I think I would have enjoyed Lighthouse more and this more. Yep, uh, it was so built up for me. I and I think my second time I'll really like it, knowing where it goes. Mm -hmm. I've said that before, but I just had some vision because of his films. They're usually really, it was a lot tamer than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was I a lot smaller. And um, so I was just expecting for it to go really big and weird at some point. And, mm -hmm. and it goes weird, but not to the, not really. It stays in the confines of the story that mm -hmm. it's set up. It, it stays true to that. It doesn't yeah, go alien or any weird like that it just um it's naturally weird to what yeah, it's much more down to earth yeah. than his other movies so i think i was thrown off by that and it, i did enjoy it and um so i'm looking forward to go okay. do it again my number two or no uh, you're number yeah. three i'm just skipping right Man, past i'm getting really... so excited about getting number one clint <laughs> my number three is dr sleep oh okay yeah yeah uh, another one we talked about a lot mm -hmm. i went into this film with no like expectation this was going to be good yeah. because I love The Shining. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite films. I'm sure it's one of many people's favorite films or on their list. And so I was like, how could this be good? There's no way this is going to be good. 
And somehow it was good. <laughs> <laughs> it like nailed everything that I was worried about. Like um, it nailed bringing back the characters. It nailed expanding on the can characters of Danny and um, in putting in the whole new storyline of these vampire um, soul sucking creatures um, was really interesting too. And I really liked that it. it wasn't trying to just be a sequel to The Shining. It was its own story that just tied into The Shining and had like a similar vein running through it. And the music's fantastic. Mm -hmm. it, it's just um, plays off of the original score and does new things with it and has really nice homages to the original and the kind of a spiritual like sequel in this way. And I, I was really surprised how much I liked this film. And I, I haven't got to see it again. Um, I was really... Well, here in a couple of weeks, director's cut with an extra half hour or more. Yeah. I hope it doesn't hinder it in some way. Well, and if yeah. so, you still got the the regular. That's all right. No, they were burning. There's George Lucas Just, thing, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was really surprised how much I liked this movie. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number two for me, Art of Self-Defense. Oh, I knew this uh, was going on your list. Yeah, you knew yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, man, this movie, uh, it just, it cracks me up. Mm -hmm. I, I can't get over it. And I laugh way too much every time I watch it. I've introduced it to as many people as I possibly can. <laughs> some have loved it. Some have hated it. Some have like, yeah. okay, yeah, sure. It was, it was cute. Like, uh, cute. Shut up, Phil. <laughs> it wasn't cute. Uh, but no, I... It's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. I think it's because it's so deadpan and it yeah. so takes itself seriously. It's about this uh, this uh, young man who is just sort of bullied in life and he's a coward and uh, he doesn't know who he is. And he finds this, uh, after being mugged, he finds this little dojo run by uh, this sensei that is way too into karate. Karate. <laughs> karate. Way too into things. Uh, but it, it matches right up with him and every character in this plays everything super serious mm -hmm. and super, you know, everything is, is, you know, on the ragged edge, uh, yet still deadpan. And it just, it was a delight. Yeah. It remains a delight. And, um, this one, this one will probably warm its way into my kind of top films of all time. Really? No, maybe top 20. I don't think it's like a top 10. Okay. Um, but it's, it's kind of. It's very, very, very different. I'm not making a comparison to Rushmore. Rushmore is kind of one of my holy grail comedies. It's right. in the top five movies of all time. Yeah, uh, it it kind of hits some of those same notes for me, mm -hmm. and so it's it's definitely up there. But yeah, that's my number two. What's your number two? Number two, Knives Out. Oh, okay. So yeah, you wow, already, you you like that a lot. I really like Knives Out. Okay. Um, I don't know there's much more to say about it than what we already have, but I I just really enjoyed it. It was my um, – Brick is one of my favorite films of all time. Have you watched it recently? No, I haven't. So this is the first time I've watched Brick in a long time, and watching it after Knives Out was so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's also another whodunit. It's right. a different style of whodunit. Yeah. Um, but uh, wow, he has a knack for that kind of storytelling. Yeah, and that's what I loved about this because it just felt like this spiritual successor mm -hmm. to Brick. 
and like it's one of my favorite films so i just felt really like coming home like when i saw brick that was like a my eye-opening experience mm-hmm. for me yeah. that like you could make something like that and on the, a budget that he made that on well and compared to something like the last jedi he's hemmed in by having to work with characters and rules and things that are already in place and the thing that's that really stands out to me about Knives Out and that also stands out when I'm going back and watching Brick is like, this is his. Yeah. These are his characters. Right. He's in full control. Yeah. He doesn't have to follow any rules. They are exactly what he wants them to be. And that's when he's at his best. Right. And that's what I felt about watching this. And I was yeah. just so giddy the whole time. And all the characters are so funny. And like you said, there's just moments that pop in my mind that are so funny and Bring so much joy. I, I can't wait till it comes out and I can yeah. watch it again and show it to Jenny. Yeah. Um, well, he's so great at world building too. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's not really world building. It is, but it's that house. In the confines of And that of family. This, yeah. And he, he puts so much detail mm-hmm. into building all of that out and making it feel lived in and real and, and like everything, including every one of those people has a history. Yeah. And I'm just, anytime like a whodunit mystery kind of story is done really well where like i'm totally wrapped up in it and there's it goes different places you're not expecting and you think it's going one way and then it zigs and zags and you're along for that whole thing i just find so joyous and i yeah. love the whole end where it's just him laying it out like colombo style yeah. the whole thing and it's over the top and ridiculous but to the perfect yeah. like degree where it's just I, I don't know. I just loved it, even yeah. with the old lady talking the whole time. But <laughs> and it was interesting too because usually whodunits don't involve a comedy of errors because that's essentially what it is. Right. Yeah. It's a comedy of errors, and I've never seen those two paired where right. it's a comedy of errors and it's this intricate whodunit plot being resolved. Yeah. It's usually oh, it's very nefarious and everything went according to plan. No, no, nothing yeah. went according to plan, right. and that's kind of the joy of it. Yeah, and and how all that works together. Mm-hmm. Still, it was point A to point B to point C. It makes right. total sense, but not because there's some grand mastermind who knew exactly what it was going to do. Right. He, you know, the 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 killer was just kind of responding to things at the same time as everybody else. Yeah, and the only mastermind is really Daniel Craig's yeah. character, who's picking up on all these yeah. follies along the way yeah. and a how hole it ties. within a hole. It's like there's a donut. <laughs> And in the center of that donut is another donut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that whole speech. Yeah. All right. So number two is Knives Out. All right. My number one Mm -hmm. is Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah. Hands down. uh, For all the reasons you said, uh, for me, it also, uh, I have been very patiently waiting for many, many, many years. I have been reading Stephen King since I was in high school. I've had a great love for for most, if not all, of his work, and it's always infuriated me that TV and movie cannot get it right. Right, yeah. And finally, it feels like there's some really strong Stephen King adaptations coming out, both screens, big and small. Uh, and this one, I had the most fear about. One, because I wasn't massively in love with the, the source. I wasn't right. hugely in love with the book. Uh, but also because I am hugely in love with The Shining, the film. Mm-hmm. And this movie had a very tight, tight rope to walk between movie and book and history between King and Kubrick and all of these different things. And I was just completely taken with how it was better than the book. It it had to exist in the movie universe, yet still be true to the book, yet still be true to the movie. And just that balancing act. Right was so well done. Uh, and I, I think that's evident. And Stephen King's praising it 
and he has quite a bit of hang up with the original Kubrick movie. Right. So for him to be able to to praise a sequel, even though it's not dismissing that Kubrick movie, mm-hmm. is a big deal. Because I also got nervous when he was saying how good it was because I was thinking, oh, man, right. they must really step on yeah, Kubrick's yeah. The Shining then if Stephen King likes it that much. Because there's such a difference between, especially at the end, the book and the movie. Uh, so to see how much honor it paid to that movie universe while still paying honor to kind of the the Jack Torrance and the the hotel, the overlook in the book. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I've seen a lot of hate about this movie. And really? I just, I don't get it. Huh. I don't get it. Um, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people think it's just an abomination that trashes The Shining. Uh, one podcast I listened to, um, they absolutely loved it up until it goes to the overlook. Huh. And then they hated it. And just, it was interesting listening to their opinions uh, because they were just so terribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Take that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They have roughly three million times the listeners we do, Mm. but probably not. Probably. Because we only have six and they have nine. Well, we have more than six. We have quite a few. I'm at six million. Yeah. By the way, (laughs) if you've listened this far, you're exactly the person who should be getting other people to listen to this thing. So do your job. You deserve something, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Dr. Sleep, um, I just, I cannot wait to see it again. I can't yeah. wait to see more of it. You saw it uh, twice in the theater, I right? I did. Yeah. I did. Even better the second time. And so now Director's Cut's coming. Get to yeah. see what he does with that. Maybe I just can choose to forget that that exists and go on to some other stuff. But loved it. Loved it. Favorite movie of the year. Yeah. I mean, if it's more of just expanding on some of the other scenes that, I'm I'm totally into that. It's supposedly it expands more of the Abra stuff, uh-huh. more of the Danny Abra stuff, especially when they're in the car ride to the Overlook, uh, is kind of what I gathered from it. And then it has a lot at the Overlook, yeah, which are kind of all the areas I have zero problem with it expanding. Right. Yeah. Um. So curious. Yeah. Curious. I saw that he has a new series coming out on mm-hmm. Netflix. Kind of a it's uh, another. It's kind of not a follow-up, but it's another story in the vein of the haunted on Hill House, the Hill House mm-hmm. story. Yeah, so I'm looking to f- see what he forward to seeing what he does next. All right, you're number one. My I'm almost positive, I know exactly what it is. My number one is Midsummer. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> Even when I sat down to craft my list, I was yeah. just like, "Well, we all know Clint's going to put Midsummer at the top." So, yeah, Midsummer, I. Summer. Midsummer. <laughs> Midsummer. Summer. I'm not saying it like that. Uh, so yeah, this great horror movie from this year. It's devastating. It's eerie. It's unsettling. It's turn your stomach at times. It's uh it's a job to get through at moments. Beautiful, amazingly shot. I any film that can go and kind of make me feel all the range of emotions, mm-hmm. it wins me over and this does it. And I, I think it's really well acted and um, I loved Hereditary. By, and uh, so just to see what this director does next is really exciting. And I, I really like this film. Um, very interesting voice. Very yeah. interesting. Like what he does uh, just in his storytelling is yeah. He just can really unnerve you through yeah. these just harrowing emotional breakdowns of characters where you're just feeling what they're feeling. And then to add horror on top of that is 
masterfully done to where you're just worn down too and you and it really opens you up to the the scares and everything supernatural going around yeah. on, on on the edges of the film on this film and hereditary and um i loved it right. i did i'm not ashamed to say it you shouldn't be ashamed it's a good movie <laughs> anyway get on your list well it's it's honorably <laughs> on my list unlike avengers for you <laughs> All right, so let's let's recap your top ten from ten to one, even though you got some doubles in there. Marriage Story, mm-hmm. Crawl slash Fabric, In Fabric, Her Smell slash Nightingale. I'm re- I really cheated on this. Yeah, you really did. I'm sorry, jerk. I lost my body uh, slash Woman at War, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Lighthouse, Ad Astra, Doctor Sleep, Knives Out, Midsummer. Nice. Oh, look at that! Just mm, see. That was for you. That was like that was like a pod hug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and mine are uh, Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary, Light of My Life, Her Smell, El Camino, a Breaking Bad story, uh, Knives Out, Lighthouse, Avengers Endgame, Parasite, Art of Self Defense, and Doctor Sleep. We had really different lists. I'm yeah. impressed. I thought they would get kind of samey. Or that's what I, I was, was worried thinking about. that too. And I was talking to my brother and I was like, he'll probably have like Avengers on there. Oh, yeah. like, I was expecting Spider-Man maybe. No, it's so let me go through my uh, my um, honorable mentions, which I have added at the top. I lost my body it really belongs <laughs> in my top 10. I think it would have knocked out narrowly knocked out late in my life. I mean, lost my body would have gone much higher on my list. Yeah, probably yeah. you do that quick calculation, probably up around five or six. Um, and light of my life would have been what got sacrificed there. But my honorable mentions are I lost my body, marriage story, crawl at Astra, Spider-Man far from home. There you go. Midsummer. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, Dolomite is my name, us and a woman at war. Mm. And then the two I mentioned that were 2018 that man, it like it, it cut me. To not add these was Prospect and Nightingale. I thought about just doing Prospect. I anyway, did too because I watched it this year. Yeah, it would have been really funny if both of us had I just know. completely cheated and like because that would have been my number one. It was it was my it would favorite have been movie of very this year. close to the top for me. Um, so it, yeah. it would have beat Doctor Sleep for me. Yeah, um, that's that's my uh, that's my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions, which was Parasite, was the top, which might make it on my list. Um, the Art of Self-Defense, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Under the Silver Lake. Oh, that's by the guy who did... Um, it Follows. The, it Follows. Yeah. I, was, I almost said, and that, that movie where that thing follows, it follows them. <laughs> you know, that thing, it, it it's following them, uh, you know, um, which I need to rewatch because I kind of enjoy more in hindsight at the time. I, what, it doesn't totally work, but it, it's worth watching. Um Dead Don't Die, <laughs> um, Rolling Thunder Review, uh, Bob Dylan's Story, and Us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I also, just for kicks, uh, my TV series this year. I almost uh, did this. I was going to ask if you yeah. wanted to. But... Chernobyl and Watchmen yeah. are my my big two on there. And yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of others. Right. Watchmen. When did Russian Doll come out? Was that last year? That was the end of 2018, I think. Okay. I could be wrong on that. Maybe that was early 2000. Yeah, it, there's so much. Um, but yeah, Watchmen, Watchmen was almost just a one long eight-hour film. Yeah. Um, but I th- Yeah, those two definitely would have been on my list. And 
maybe like Fleabag season two. I think that was it this year. Just can't get into that one. Really? I'll try. I'll um, try. I love that. It just, I just can't get it to work. Hmm. All right. Well, those We're are all good flawed lists. in some way. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. I think 1917 would be on my list. I bet it will be on mine yeah, too. But I haven't seen uh, it. That comes out this week or next. This week. I'm sure we'll, does it come out this yeah. week? Sure, we'll see that. 1917. I'm really surprised you didn't have JoJo on your your list. I did have JoJo on my list. Where's JoJo? Where'd it go? I thought that was going to be. That's de- that's in my list for sure. I it somehow disappeared. Oh man. Okay, JoJo. The Nazis got it. JoJo is probably my number two or three. Okay. I don't know why I don't. I have kept it. waiting for that to come. Yeah. She I, raved about that. I love JoJo. Yeah. Then, man, I failed. We gotta do this all over again. Just the whole thing, re-record so you can squeeze in JoJo Rabbit. Just make a zero spot, like way above number one. Yeah, I don't. I had it on my list, and then somehow it got erased. Yeah, JoJo is definitely nineteen seventeen. JoJo Rabbit and uh, any others that you still need to see that you think will get up there. Uh, Pain and suffering. Is one uncut gems we need to see? Is it pain and suffering, or is it pain and something? I know nothing about that film. It's supposed to be really good. Um, Uncut Gems, I, I want to see. And uh, is there something else up there? I feel like there's something else coming out. I don't know. All I can think about is Jojo Rabbit now. See? I totally, like, you're... This I, is how I felt about I Lost My Body. I feel 10 times worse. Yeah. That's why I was so shocked when uh, when you said you're number two, because I thought for sure Jojo was up there. I knew Midsommar was going to be number one. Yeah, Jojo is probably number two and then Knives Out. Okay. I just assumed you'd put Knives Out on your your honorables because I thought like JoJo and uh, no, I love Knives Out. All right. Well, I yeah. knew that, but it, I loved it. Don't say that. I just knew there had to be a spot for JoJo, so I was very <laughs> confused when there were only two movies left, uh, and I knew Midsummer was going to be number one. I started making this list a couple months ago as I was seeing things, and I think when I finalized it, it just got moved somewhere. This podcast is brought to you by Excuses. <laughs> Excuses. When you want to tell yourself something that just isn't true. Excuses. <laughs> but don't you feel better? <laughs> <laughs> that needs a jingle. It needs a but don't you feel better jingle. <laughs> Excuses. But don't you feel better? It's <laughs> great. Uh, so yeah, I I was really, I was kind of down on on 2019 and I still it still surprises me a little bit um because i thought there would be uh, i don't know what i was thinking but i thought there would be some some uh extra kind of movies at that turn of the decade kind of thing yeah um and i guess i just got built up so much by 99 because 1999 was such a crazy revolutionary year in film now that was also turn of the century and it just happened to be right when there was a lot happening um in film a lot was changing i think it was a lot of the bigger films i was let down by this year and then going through and seeing that there actually is a pretty nice size list of smaller films that were really good and kind of hidden um it that made me feel better and there were a lot of disappointments this year there were a lot of just wow trailer wow excitement and then you go and watch it like oh no no um, and then even ones that I wasn't crazy anticipating like Terminator were still very disappointing to yeah. me, which I didn't even go in with a lot of expectations other know, than but... 
it, you know, it's it's going to be better than the other sequels. And right. Just, ugh. So, yeah, pretty good, pretty good year. <sighs> Jojo Rabbit. Jojo. Sorry, Jojo. Sorry, Taika. Man, I still like my list, but yeah. Jojo's definitely there. Yeah. Forgive me. Yeah. So what gets booted off your list, or is it just become, you just cram two together and make another double? Um, I don't know, probably like Last Black Man or something might. I don't know. I really like that film, but I don't know. There's some really good films. Probably Crawl. I would take Crawl okay. off. I I really like that, but not as much as JoJo. I was completely uh, engaged in the irony of this movie about <laughs> Nazi Germany shoving the last black man in San Francisco off your list. I th- no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, yep, yep, you just that. made this situation so much worse. Like, yeah, that makes, That's, that makes What's that, that say? It works. That makes sense. Crawl would go. <laughs> I really like Last Black Man. So all right. So you like black people better than alligators. That's good. That's good. That's good. Man. <laughs> oh, this podcast brought to you by excuses and diversity in podcasting. My father-in-law would be very displeased. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Anything else you want to add? I'm pretty happy with this. I'll just say Jojo Rabbit 10 Jojo, more times. Jojo as we, I'm just going to mutter Jojo, it to myself as Jojo, the credits close. Jojo. Just be like the Foghorn and Lighthouse. Jojo. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> jo. So we got we got some busy weeks coming up with some more movies coming out. Um, the Outsider is hitting HBO. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. Really hoping that's good. And uh, I'm so glad we didn't do some actual reviews. This would be a monstrous oh, I, yeah, episode. Yeah, it really would. Because it's what, almost two hours yeah. at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. All six of you out no, there. No, no. Just bonus. I'm not apologizing to you. No, don't apologize to me. <laughs> and there's 20 of them out there. Yeah? Yeah, there's a regular 20. Have you been sending money out to random no, people I to haven't. get them to listen? I haven't. No. This is going to be the year that we start to start to find ways to get people. Mm-hmm. I feel like we know what we're Fundraisers. doing. Fundraisers. Fundraisers, ham sandwiches. <laughs> Ham spaghetti dinner. Sandwiches. Spaghetti dinner. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have a little live podcast yeah. event. Bring your own side and we'll record a yeah. podcast. Yeah. You bring the spaghetti and we'll uh, podcast in we, front of everybody. I got the rolls. <laughs> All right. This has been episode 10 of I Forgot Jojo Rabbit. I'm uh, Ken. This is Jojo Clint. Rabbit. Happy New Year, Ken. Happy New Year, Clint. <laughs>